everybody have, have glasses to remind you that this is a Vision Sunday, a little reminder for you to carry through the week. Those of you who uh, wonder why your little glasses were in a plastic bag, it's because they shipped them to us this way, and there was some discussion among the staff over whether we should leave them in the plastic bag or not, because they, uh, they wanted to make sure, that some of them said, well, we need to have them out or people are just going to throw bags everywhere. And then some people said, no, uh, if, if we leave them sealed up, then they're nice and sanitary and they don't have any germs on them. So we left them nice and sealed up. But if, if you got your glasses this morning, I want you to take them out of the plastic bag and then take that plastic bag and just hand it to the person next to you so they'll have something to chew on during service. Just, you know, because... They're sanitary, so it's okay to use those as chewing gum. Vision Sunday. Everybody say vision. Vision. We're going to be talking about vision today, just as we have uh, over the last several weeks as we uh, looked at Scripture and discussed the fact that we we are seeking God for new vision. We are seeking God for new insight. This is the end of our 21-day fast period, day of, days of, 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I want to just kind of remind you, why do we, why do, we do that? Why do we take 21 days to, to fast and pray? Maybe you can remind me this morning. Anybody want to tell me how that happens? Why do we do that? What? No, no, no. Come on. To replace our desires for God's desires. That's that's exactly correct. That the, actually the Greek word um, for for fasting proskune means to literally have our desires replaced with God's desires. We go to God and we give Him our desires, and God gives His desires back to us. So we we bring those into our heart, we bring those into our lives, and we begin to live them out. So we've spent 21 days saying, "I'm not going to do certain things that fill up my soul. I'm not going to do certain things that make me feel good about about myself. That make me feel good about you know what I've eaten or or what I own or what I." possess or how much I've been entertained. No, I'm going to take 21 days and separate myself from what is filling my life and seek God to fill me with his purpose, his vision, and his power. So the outcome of that is vision. Everybody again say vision. The outcome of that is vision. What are we saying? God's going to give us his vision, and we're going to exchange what we desire and what we want in our lives for what God wants in our lives. How many of you know that God has a better plan for your life than you do? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, praise God. And the future and hope that God has for you is bigger than anything you can come up up with. The apostle Paul said this. He said, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. What you think is the best for you doesn't get anywhere near close enough to what God thinks for you and what God desires to do in your life. So we're exchanging our desires, what I think is going to be best, what I feel like is going to be best for me. I want to replace those with what God wants to do for me because God has a bigger plan than I do. And we need to allow our plans to be expanded. We need to allow our visions to be expanded, our visions for ourselves personally, our visions for our church corporately. So I want to share scripture with you about vision, Proverbs 29, 18. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, and we've, we've explained this, the word law there is the word Torah, which means uh, in the instructions. He that keeps the instructions, happy is he. Uh, where there is no vision, what happens? The people 
The people perish. How many of you are into perishing today? Anybody want to perish? We've got a couple of people around here that carry guns. So, you know, just a little security thing. If, we just, if any of you just want to go on right now, you know, just go ahead and stand up and, and we can put you out of your misery. No. <laughs> Who wants to perish? We don't want to perish. Anybody in here want to live? Anybody in here want to experience the kind of life that God has for you? Well, what we've got to do if we're going to, if we're going to do that, if we're going to experience that kind of life is we have to begin to get God's vision. Why? Because when we keep the instruction that God has given us in that vision, it's going to cause our lives to turn out happy, praise God. He that keeps that instruction happy is he. The New Living Translation says it this way, when people do not accept divine guidance, God wants to give us some divine guidance. God wants to show us something. God wants to impart something to us. God wants to empower us. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. What do we do? We just go do whatever feels good to us. And because we do whatever feels good to us, we miss what it is that God wants to happen in our lives. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law or instruction is joyful. The NIV says it this way, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions, praise God. So we need to, we need to find that vision. We need, to, we need to find the instruction that God has for us. We've been fasting and praying so that God can begin to change some things in our hearts, so that God can expand our vision, so that God can help us to see how to accomplish what it is that he has to do. Last week, we talked about this word, revelation, um, where there's no revelation the scripture says in, in the NIV, where there's no revelation, people just do what they want. But so, so, so we, need to, we need to begin to understand and, and grab a hold of the concept that revelation is life-changing. When God begins to reveal himself to you, when God begins to give you divine guidance, that's a life-changing occurrence. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he said, he said uh, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You, you, you are, you're the son of the living God, praise God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven. And then, and then we, went, we talked about this quite a bit last week. Jesus talked about how the revelation of who he was was life-changing for Peter. It changed his character. Here's the deal, guys. Revelation will change our character. When we begin to exchange our desires for God's desires, we begin to allow God to write something on our hearts. We begin to allow God to lay out his plan and his purpose and his desires for us, that is a life-changing thing. When the scripture says faith comes by hearing the word of God, when the scripture says faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, what we realize is that God is writing something on our hearts in faith. He's writing a belief. He's writing a structure and providing us with a structure that will begin to change the way that we live. The scripture also says that the just shall live by faith, praise God. When we begin to live by faith, when we begin to accept revelation from God and begin to live that revelation out, we can really begin to experience the kind of life God has for us. Praise God. The just shall live by faith. The Greek word there for live is the word zoe, and it, and, and it means in the Greek the life force that is so powerful that it, that it runs everything off that's contrary to it. 
So every bit of death, every bit of sickness, every bit of disease, every bit of poverty, as we begin to allow life, the life of God, the Zoe of God, to, to, to change us, as we begin to incorporate and receive that life that God has for us, it will change our lives. It will change the outcome of our lives, but not only will it change the outcome, it will change our day-to-day lives. We'll begin to live by what God says instead of living by what the television says or living by what the music on our MP3 says or whatever it is. When we begin to allow God to empower us and change our hearts, praise God, that faith, that belief that comes from God will be written upon our lives. So, Revelation is a reception of God's purposes and desires that's provided by His Spirit to bring change to us, to bring change to our mind and our will and our emotions. And this is what, this is what I want to help you see, that, that God has moved into your spirit if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus said, uh, you know, except a man be born again, he can experience. The word see there literally means experience. He can experience the kingdom of heaven. Except a man be born again, he can experience the kingdom of heaven. What's going on here? We, We want to experience that life that God has for us. We want to experience the kingdom of heaven. And so what we, what we have to do is come to Jesus and, and ask him to change our lives, to transport us into his kingdom if we've never done that. Actually, if you've, if you've done that, if you've trusted in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says you have, you have been ripped out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Praise God. So, so that transformation is an ongoing process, and we have to allow God to begin to help us to see ourselves from his point of view. To help us to see ourselves from his point of view. That's, that's a part of allowing God's vision and God's desires to become our desires. Because you know what my head says about me? My head tells me, you're not good enough, Jay. You messed up too many times. You made too many mistakes. You're never going to fulfill. You're never going to accomplish it. You looked at this thing you shouldn't have looked at. You read this thing you shouldn't have read. You lusted after people you should not have lusted after. You have messed up your life, and you don't have any good thing coming to you. But God's Word says, Jay, you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. God's word says you are born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things have become new. And what we have to do is allow God to begin to rewrite what we think about ourselves, our mind and our will and our emotions, praise God, and help us to begin to live out of God's desires, help us to begin to live out of God's plans, help us to begin to live out of God's kingdom and his word, praise God. So that is a transformative process that happens in our lives. And that's the reason we spent 21 days fasting and praying, because we're saying, God, I, what, what I'm doing right now or what I've done hasn't, hasn't come out exactly the way I want it to. I'm going to change some things. Everything that, the things that fulfilled me before, I'm going to put some of those things to the side, and I'm going to seek you, and I'm asking you to fill me up, empower me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that works not only for each one of us individually, but it also works for each, for, for each of us who are, who are a member of his church. You see, the scripture teaches us that the church is the body of Christ. What does that mean? It means if people want to see Jesus, they have to look at his church. 
If people want to see Jesus, they have to look at you and they have to look at me and they have to see us living out that life that Jesus has for us. And if we don't embrace those principles and if we don't embrace those truths, then to the world, we are not going to allow, um, we're not going to experience or help them to experience the life that God has for them. Each one of us have to be willing to reach out to people who are who are unsaved, people who don't know Jesus, people who are unchurched, maybe are not connected to the body of Christ in any, in any real way, and begin to try to connect them. Begin to try to connect them. We have, a, we have a plan for that here at Abundant Life. It's a plan that we want to engage in corporately. Everybody say corporately. The difference between uh, corporately and individually is... The, the corporate body is made up of a whole lot of individuals, and it's all of us working together. Together, we are the body of Christ. Together, we've got to begin to walk in vision. Together, we've got to begin to desire God's desires for our body corporately, for the body of Christ corporately. Every church in Tahlequah, every church in Tahlequah, we can't, we can't afford to be tearing one another down. We've got to be building one another up. We can't afford to be allowed to be used of the enemy to kill and steal and destroy. We've got, to, we've got to be speaking life. We've got to be speaking encouragement. We've got to be speaking empowerment to one another. So as a church, we have a mission that we live out and that we, we try to get everyone within our body to engage in. And that mission is to equip people to experience the life that God desires for them. My, end of, my job uh, within, this, within this mission statement, my job personally is to equip people to experience the life that God desires for them. Guess what? Since that is, is my mission, because you're a part of the body of Christ, that's your mission too. A part of your personal mission in life, if, you, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a part of your personal mission must be to equip people to experience God's desires, the life God desires for them. We've got to help people see and know and understand that God is not against them. There's a world full of people around us. There's a community that surrounds us that thinks God is against them because they're sinners. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but experience eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might live, praise God. God wants people to live. And so we've got to be people who reflect that, that idea, that identity, it's the calling of my life to equip people to experience the life God desires for them. And many times we think, wow, that's, a, that's kind of a big mission. I'm not sure how I can do that as an individual. I'm not sure how I can do that as an individual. Well, you, this is how you do it. Are you ready? One person at a time. You don't have to get the whole campus at Northeastern saved this week. But you have the opportunity to meet some individuals this week and change their lives. You don't have to go to Walmart this afternoon and get everybody in that building saved. But you have the responsibility to minister to somebody in this community. And folks, if you don't know how, it's because the church has not equipped you to do that. And it's our job as a, as a church to equip people 
not only to experience life for themselves, but to share the reality of a God who loves them, who cares about them right where they are, who cares about them in the bed at the hospital, who cares about them when their mom or their dad or their sister and brother has cancer, who cares about them even if they're experiencing physical difficulties themselves. There is a God in heaven who loves them and wants them to experience not condemnation, but life. It's not our job to go around telling people they're condemned. It's our job to go around telling people God loves you, and he doesn't want you to walk in condemnation. Sometimes, you know, in the church, we get a little bit religious, and we'll say, yeah, but they're doing this. So they're going to get condemnation because they're doing this. What we have to do is help them to realize there's a God in heaven who loves them. And as they embrace him, as they engage with the, with, the, with the God of the Bible, as they engage with Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Jesus will change them. We don't have to. I said, Jesus will change them. We don't have to. I heard somebody say this one day. Jesus just called us to catch the fish. He didn't catch us to clean them. Call us to clean them. So, you know, all we, get, well, all we have to do is catch the fish. Cleaning the fish is Jesus' job. Now, if somebody becomes engaged in the body of Christ and, and we develop a relationship with them and there's some things that are destructive happening in their lives, then we might sit down and have a loving, a simple loving conversation with them. But don't you ever look somebody in the face and say, you're going to hell because you're no good, because you're making wrong choices. Look them in the face and say, God loves you right in the midst of your sin, right in the midst of your wrong choices. After all, how many of us have made wrong choices? Anybody in this house? Anybody in this house? All of us have made wrong choices. To make a wrong choice means to sin. All of us have sinned. We've made wrong choices and fallen short of God's glory. So what we've got to do is, is, is begin to engage with people. Engage with people so that we can equip them. So we have a, a four-step uh, program here to kind of help us do that as a church to kind of help you do that. We're going to go over that really quickly. Most of you have probably seen this in the past. If you were here last week, we talked about it a little bit. What we want to do is engage people. We want to equip people. We want to empower people. And we want to employ people. How does that work? When we begin to engage with the lost... When we as church, when we as individuals who've received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, get out of our comfort zone and get outside of what we want and get outside of what we, what we, what we desire, when we begin to take on God's desires, God's desire is for a world that doesn't know him to begin to experience him and be transformed as he speaks into their lives and changes the way they believe. So what we've got to do, church, is to begin to engage with people. We have to begin to look for opportunities, pardon me, to speak into people's lives. Sometimes, you know, if I, I'm sitting, I, was, I was sitting at a restaurant um, not that long ago, and, and there was, a, there was a, a dad sitting there with his son, a young son, and he was just engaging with that kid. He was just doing such an excellent job. And so I called the waiter over, and I said, hey, that guy right there, I want to pay for his lunch. And then after I got his ticket and after I paid for his lunch, I went and laid a card on his table and said, man, you are doing a great job with your kids. 
it blesses my heart to see you blessing your kids and, and not ignoring them on your phone and, and all that kind of stuff. It blesses my heart to see you engaging your children. God loves what you're doing. God loves what you're doing. And I just blessed him one of those, one of those little invite cards we have out here. God, God cares about you. I, I appreciate so much what you did that I, I bought your lunch. Thanks for being who you're being. God wants to do something amazing in your life. And we say, well, that sounds like a waste of money to me. You could have just given him a track. What's the problem with that? Handing people tracks usually just means we, we've given them something else to throw away. If we sit down and talk to them about the scripture that's written in that track, we, we might make a difference. But what we've got to do is begin to, to engage with people. And I'll be honest with you, I am not an engager. Um, My natural tendency is not to engage with people, but, but I, I have matured over the years, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> I have matured over the years, and, and it finally occurred to me that you can't be backward and help people come to know Jesus. And so sometimes I just have to, I, I, you know, I, I, have to, I have to just say, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing, because what I feel like doing is is go home and shut the doors, you know, and, and not talk to people or not engage with people. I, we have to make decisions to become engaging because people are dying and going to hell, not because it's God's will for them to die and go to hell, but because they don't know the truth. And if we never make friends with them, if we don't ever make a friendly exchange with them, if we don't ever engage with them, then the chance for their children and their chance for them and all their friends to know Jesus slowly dissipates and runs away. We have to make the choice to become people who engage with others. As a church, we want to engage with people. We want to not only engage with them so that they come to know Jesus, so that they come to, to, to become a part of the church. They begin to participate within the body of Christ, but we want to equip them so they're not just stuck in the mode of, have you ever met anybody who said, oh, I don't go to church, you know, I haven't been to church in 40 years, or I haven't been to church in 10 or 15 years, but I used to go to church when I was little and I got saved then, so everything's okay with me. You know what the problem with that, with that, with that is? God did not get anybody born again to leave them there as a, as a baby Christian, as somebody who's just born again and doesn't know anything else. Those people are living without a revelation of Jesus Christ, who's their, who, who they've claimed as their Lord and Savior, and they will never experience the life that God has for them. If we leave them there, we are not fulfilling our parts. So we've got to equip people. Then we, we've, got to, we've got to take people another step. We, don't want ju we just don't want to engage them and equip them, but we want to empower them and cause them to begin to see God loves you. God's got a wonderful thing he wants to do in your life. You are great. You are gifted. We, we want to put you to work doing, doing what it is that God's called you to do. We want you to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. We want to employ you within the body of Christ and put you to work. So, so the next slide kind of shows what we see as the outcomes of this process, if we can go to the next process. What happens if we engage with people, they can make a connection. They can get connected to God. They can get connected to the church. If we equip people, they can begin to grow. If we empower people, they'll begin to serve. You know what? Jesus wants each of us to be great in the kingdom. He said, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you need to be a servant of all. If we aren't 
empowering people to serve, we are keeping them from experiencing the greatness that God's called them to. So we've got to empower people to serve, and then what? We've got to employ them. We've got to put them to work and send them out to accomplish the purpose of Jesus, whether that's in the parking lot of Walmart or whether that's in their neighborhood or whether that's you know, within, within the bounds of the local church or whether that's at the hands of Grace Center where we give people groceries and clothes or it's at the, it's at the day center downtown where we feed people on a daily basis who are, who are living on the streets and, and who are hungry. We've got to go and make a difference. God created you to make a difference in this world. You are a divine creation, and you, you have the ability to walk in supernatural life and allow God to use you just as he used Jesus. So we want to help you. Our church's job is to help you, to engage with you so you'll connect to the body of Christ, to equip you so that you'll grow in Christ, to empower you so that you can begin to serve and fulfill God's plan of greatness for you and to employ you so that you can go out and do everything God's called you to do. What happens when we engage with people, they connect, we equip people and they grow, we empower people, they serve, we employ them and they go. When they go, they engage people who connect, they equip people who grow, they empower people who serve, and they employ people who go, who engage people who connect, who equip people who grow, who empower people who serve, who employ people who go, who engage people who connect, who equip people who grow, who empower. You know what that's called within the the realm of Scripture? Discipleship. Discipleship. So we've we've got to become disciples. Now we, we said that this is Vision Sunday, and so so I'm sharing with you, you know, what, what we want to do and our plan as a church to, to do these things. But 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 I want you to understand that not only do we, we need to do this corporately, but we also need to do this together. A couple of years ago, the Lord was talking to me about lids. I don't know how many of you are fans of John Maxwell, but John Maxwell teaches about the law of the lid. And the law of the lid says that, you know, there, there's a place that an organization or an organism will grow to, but there's a lid that keeps it from becoming any larger. And so, so the, 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 the thought process within that teaching is you have to discover your lids so that you can remove them and continue to grow. You have to take the lids off that are holding you back, and, and, you, and you have to really look at the structure of your organization. You have to really look at the structure of your organism or look at the structure of your personal life and figure out what's holding me back. Ed had a, had a great testimony the other day. He was talking to a, a lady at the day center, and he was talking to them about vision, and, she, and, and he just asked him, what would you like to, what, what could you see that's, that's holding you back in your life that you, want to, that you need to remove and that you're willing to work on? She said, I don't know how to read. I want to learn how to read. What is that? That's somebody who realizes they have a lid in their life that needs to be removed. And so Ed, Ed's been engaging with her and getting, getting her some people to help her. She's learning how to read. What she's doing, she's removing the things that are holding her back. But here's the deal, guys. Each one of us need to figure out what our lids are and begin to work to overcome them, to remove them, to remove those things from our lives that are holding us back. And, 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 and as a church, we've got to see those things and begin to understand what's holding us back, what's, what's got a lid on us, what's keeping us from moving. We've got, we've got several things that we've talked about. We sit and talk about this kind of stuff as a staff. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have Ed and Ashley stand up um, and turn around and just look at everybody so they can see your faces. Ray Potts, where's Ray Potts? Is he out there? 
bring Ray in here. March him up to the front. No, 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 you're not allowed to sit down. Come on up here. Come on up here, Ray. Uh, Skylar and, and Zach, stand up here. Turn around and face these people. Now, come right over here. Yeah, just, just, just join me right up here. This, this is the pastoral team at Abundant Life. There's one person missing. My wife Donna is over there teaching children's church this morning. This is our pastoral team. And we see it as our job to make abundant life the very best it can be, to find the lids, the things that are holding us back, to figure out what those things are, and to blow them away so that they don't hold us back anymore. So this, this, is, this is our team. Uh, Les, Les Donna, you can, you can find her after church. If you, if you don't know who Donna is, come ask any one of us. We'll make sure you meet her. This is our team, and we are working together. We meet once a week. We sit down, and a lot of times we eat together and play with Boone and, and, and talk about what's going on in our church. And I want to tell you something. In the last six months, we've made some big strides towards, towards finding and removing lids around here. And we are excited. We believe that 2020 is going to be the best year we've ever had, that we're going to see people engaged to connect, equipped to grow, empowered to serve, and employed to go in a way that we've never seen it before. And, and so, so we want to thank you for being a part of that, for engaging in that vision, for allowing that vision of our church to become a part of your personal vision, praise God, and, and, and seeing God impact people's lives. Give these, guys a, give, give these guys a round of applause. Love you guys. Praise God. And, and so... Uh, Ray has really been working with getting a lot of our systems in order, and we did, did the fun, funny thing, uh, Ed, Ed said that about the printer today, we've been working for two years to try to get the check-in printer for Kids Church working, and so uh, we finally got some people in place who could figure out all the bells and whistles, and there's about, uh, you know, 20,000 steps that you have to go through, but we actually got, we have that working now, so, so we, we're seeing what's holding us back. We're, we're knocking some things out of the way, and as 2020, we move forward in 2020, we're going to do some new things to kind of help us to remove those, to remove those lids for our lives. I'm going, to, I'm going to take just a little bit of time now to share with you not only where we're going, but where we've been so you can, you can understand, some, understand some things about us. Abundant Life started in 2005. God spoke to me about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, told me, Jay, I want you to start pastoring a church. I want you to be the lead pastor of the church, and he gave me some specific instructions about what he wanted to happen and what he wanted to do. And so, uh, just really kind of supernaturally, abundant life started. We we had to we had to overcome some obstacles, but God told me, and that you know, I told God at the time, hey, these these are the reasons that's not going to work. And he just told me, trust me, do what I tell you to do. I'm going to move all that stuff out of the way. So God God uh, started removing lids. We started abundant life in 2005. Uh, and uh, we, we acquired, uh, a few years after we started, we were, we were in a storefront, and uh, uh, we were given the building, this property that we're, that we're in right now, because the church that was here had, had kind of failed. There was, there was nobody left coming to this church. So they, they provided this property to us, and then um, a, a few years after that, when we got this property, God told me we needed to get some, some more property that's connected with it. We bought that property. And, and so we're moving forward. And the, the, the long story about that is that some of you have never seen our site plans. And so I'm going to share that with you this morning. Would you just put up that first slide? 
Um, this, is, this is the property where we're sitting right now. See where that blue thing is? It's pointed at that little tower out front. That means you're right over here somewhere in this, in this section of building on the U-shape. That's, that's our building. When we first acquired this property, that whole wing on the north side, that's this side of the building, did not exist. We built that on. And, and so uh, when, we, when we bought that property, when God spoke to us to buy some property uh, that was attached, we bought this piece of property. So we, we started out with a property that's, that's surrounded in blue, we purchased this property that's, that's surrounded in green. Um, it, was, it was on the market for like uh, $265,000, and we, we purchased it for $165,000, and that was, that was a couple of years ago. We now owe $115,000 against that piece of property, so that's been, that's been uh, being paid off. And, and we, once we got that property, we engaged with an architect to develop a site plan. So we're going to show you a couple of things on the site plan. You see where we are right now. The next thing that, 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 that we have on our site plan is that we want to build an activity building. See this little black thing that just popped up over here? That's, that's an area that's going to have classrooms in it. It's going to have a kitchen in it, and it's going to have like a gymnasium-type area. Uh, it'll be the size of a full-size gym. And uh, it's going to have some, some uh, bathrooms with showers in it and those kind of things. So that's kind of like, that's, that's, the, that's the next big thing that we are planning on doing. And then, and then the architect went on with the site plan, and he drew the next piece of building, which will be the new sanctuary that we're going to build on that new property. And that goes right there. So that's that new sanctuary. You can see all that parking around there. It goes all the way from, uh, for, all the way to Allen Road to our north, and, and we're surrounded by the, by the Parker Bypass around here. That's the property we own. That's where we want to go. That, that building is in two stages. The first stage is, uh, has, a, has a sanctuary that will fit 300 people. And eventually, uh, after I've gone to be with Jesus, somebody else is going to build the other half of that, and the sanctuary will fit 600 people. We have enough room for, for parking for all those people. And, and so that's our site plan. That's what we want to move forward to eventually. But here's what happened. I kept saying, God, you know, we just need a few million dollars and we can build a new building. Everything will be wonderful and amazing. But last year, during the, during, the, during the fast, during the 21 days of fasting and praying, God said, you need to stop thinking about where you need to go and begin to take steps to get there. And he helped me to see that the site plan, rather than being a tool to, to, to help us grow as a church had become a lid that was preventing us from going the next step and, and to fulfill the next thing. So what we did this last year was uh, I, I was just praying, well, God, what is our next step? What's the next thing that we need to do? And, and so this year, we expanded our parking over into, off, over into, that, into that new property. We, we expanded our parking so we'd have more parking. We discovered last year at Easter that people were driving into our parking lot, driving around, couldn't find a place to park, and they left. So we wanted to expand our parking. We got our, our parking expanded last year. So, so the question is, what is our next step for this year? And God has really been talking to me uh, and, to, and to the pastoral team about increasing our potential, increasing our potential uh, for supernatural impact. Increasing our potential for supernatural impact. And, and here's the deal, guys. There's some things that are standing in our way. Uh, we're, not, we're not affecting as many people as we need to affect. 
Um, there's a few seats in the middle right, right over here, but technically, if you, statistically, if you, if, you, if you listen to people who, who teach about such things and, and who talk about church growth and those kind of things, they'll just tell you, once a congregation is hitting 80% of their seating capacity, growth is over with. Now, there's some supernatural things that can happen that will kind of change that, but the reality is that we need more space. But we don't have more space. And financially right now, we don't have the money to build a much more space. Unless somebody gave, you know, did anybody give $3 million in the offering this morning? Hands? We'll wait a second if you need to think about that. We don't have more space. So God told me, you've got to work with what you have. You've got to work with what you have. And so I, I began to talk with the, with the pastoral team, with our leadership team, about how we can expand and use what we have better. One of the things that we're going to do this year is we're going to develop a second service, and we're going to go to two services. What's that going to do? What's another service going to do? Well, it's going to make it seem like there's not very many people here, but it's going to make it seem like to people who are coming in that there's room and that they don't feel crowded and they don't feel cramped. It's also going to increase our potential to connect people to our serve teams and to our dream teams. We're going to be able to employ more people spiritually at the church. The, the big thing that when, when, when God first started talking to me about this, I just go to him and argue. Does anybody else argue with God? I just go to God and argue and say, we don't have enough people to do what we've got to do now. And the Lord, the Lord told me, that's a lid. That's holding you back. You need to, what you need to do is stop thinking about the people that you don't have and start employing the people that you do have. Start getting people in place. Give more people an opportunity to serve. Stop thinking, I don't have enough, and begin to think, I need to expand. What are we going to expand? We're going to expand our supernatural potential, praise God, to touch people's lives. If we allow more people to serve, then they're developing greater relationships. They're becoming more involved. They're learning more. When people start teaching, they learn more than they've ever learned before. Get some people with some teaching positions, get some people in some relationships where they have mentors and people are helping them grow in Christ, where they, have, where they have people who know them, who they know what struggles they're going with, developing friendships, praise God. That's, that's the goal. The goal is not to have more people. The goal is not to have more money. The goal is to do better with what we have. And so, so we're going to, uh, at some point, probably before, before Easter this year, we're going to kick off a second service. We're getting the last of our people in place, thanks to all those people who are on the lead team who are, who are hiring people. We've been, we've been in a hiring frenzy. You think the economy's booming in the United States of America? We are, we are the, the economy's booming here. And so we're looking for people to connect and give jobs, praise God, and get them connected so that God can pour blessing out on their lives, praise God. So we, we're looking forward to that, uh, and, and, and it's something that really kind of bothered me, and everybody that I talked to about it at first was like, I don't think so. But what we're going to do is we're going to, we can't expand our space, so we're going to expand our use of the space that we have. New opportunities. What's one of the other things that we want to do? We want to connect with people so they can grow. What's the best way people grow? In relationships and small groups. So we're increasing our life groups. Um, we're, going to, we're going to increase. We're going to have a few more life groups that this year, uh, within the next few months, we'll have more groups, more things going on on Wednesday nights for adults. 
We won't just have stuff for kids. We're going to have more stuff for adults. We're going to have some new opportunities opening up there. We're going to have, instead of two big groups on Sunday nights, we're going to have three big groups uh, uh, this, this, uh, this, this coming month. In February, when we kick off the groups, we've got three groups that are going to open up. We're looking for opportunities to build some new leaders as we see people who are committed to the group structure, committed to life groups. We're looking for opportunities to expand that, to develop more leaders. Why? Because developing more leaders means we're doing what Jesus called us to do. We're discipling people. We're engaging in relationships with them. We're equipping them to grow. We're empowering them to serve, praise God. And then we're employing them to fulfill God's will and his plan and his desire for their lives. So we're, we're going to see that happen. Uh, one of the other things that we're looking to do in the very near future is, is develop another classroom somewhere. We've got a facilities committee that's, that's talking about different ways that we can maybe just bump out a wall somewhere or pop out something new somewhere in the, in the least expensive way so that we can use the money that we have at hand to have another classroom space so that we can get stuff going, maybe in a, another group on Sunday mornings, another give space to have another group on Wednesday nights. We're growing our children's area. I don't know if you know uh, about our kitchen, our lobby area. Our plan has always been to kind of wipe that wall out and make our lobby a lot, a lot larger so we have more room to meet and talk out there. So we're looking forward and we're trying to figure out ways to make that happen. We're praying and we're asking God. God wakes me up sometimes in the night and, and, and drops ideas on me. I call people on the committee and say, hey, what about this? What about this? David always says, no, that's not going to work. And, and, you know, and Donna always says, no, that's not going to work. And then I talk to him and talk to him and talk to him and they say, maybe that'll work. So, you know, we, we, we're, we're, try, we're not, there, there are no stupid ideas. But what we've got to do is figure out every way we can to make that next step. How can we expand? How can we use what God's given us in a better way? So, so we're taking those opportunities to move forward and grow. We're looking forward to seeing what God's going to do, how that's going to happen. But here's what it's all about, God. Guys, it's all about increasing our potential to engage with lost and unchurched people and making greater opportunities to see impact, that impact on people's lives. And each one of us have the responsibility to see that that happens. We're also, you know, just taking, taking what we've got, got in hand and figuring out how we can engage better with the community. I, I was in a conversation with somebody um, who's, on the, who's on the census uh, committee, the, the 2020 is the census year, they were, and so they're talking to us about is can they use our building to help train people? Well, my thought process is, well, if we get all those people in this building, what's going to happen? They're going to know we're here, and we're going to serve them coffee, and we're going to bless them, and we're going to serve them. Well, they might not even be Christians. They might go to church somewhere else. Who gives a rip? The point is we are engaging, and that's the first step. We've got to engage with people in order to connect with them. Had an had a, a opportunity to open up. Somebody came and talked to us the other day. Uh, we may have a, a, a open a dance class on, on Friday nights here at the church and, and take one of the rooms and, and have him teach dance to people, have him teach them how to swing dance. And then we may have a couple of small groups that meet off that, people who get together and dance on, on Saturday nights in Jesus' name. That's why I said, well, you, can you dance in Jesus' name? You betcha. 
So, so you know, the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about dancing, and, and it's not always negative, you know. So, so we, may have, we may have open our tr- portions of our building and, and have dance classes. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to engage with this community better than we've ever engaged with this community before. We're going to find people who are not connected, who don't know that, a God, that there's a God in heaven who's good and who loves people and who cares about them and wants to change their lives, and we're going to get in their faces with the love of God and serve them. Not to tell them they're going to hell, but to tell them there's a God in heaven who loves you and wants to help you experience life in a greater way. One last scripture I want to share with you before we go. We're going to be increasing engagement this year. Why? Because when we increase engagement, it increases our potential for supernatural impact. Here's the deal. If you've got Jesus in you and the Holy Spirit's alive on on the inside of you, every time you talk to somebody, you have the opportunity to pour some of God's super all over their natural. We've got to empower people to stop living in the natural and to begin to live in in the realm of the supernatural, to realize there's a God in heaven who wants to fill them up with his power and his glory, who wants to heal their bodies, who wants to change their way of thinking so that they're no longer held in bondage by it. And so, so Jesus called his church to do that. What are we doing if we're talking about making all these changes? We're talking about expanding our opportunities to fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew, the 20th chapter. It says, Jesus came to them. The, the disciples had met together. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How many of you know, know that when Jesus said all authority, he meant every bit of it? All authority, he said, in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, why? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given, to, been given to Jesus. Guess what? The devil does not have the authority over our community. The enemy does not have the authority over the campus at Northeastern State University. The, the enemy does not have authority over our school system. The enemy does not have authority over our, over our, uh, over our local government, over, over our city commerce. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he said, therefore, what does that mean? Because that's true, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what I have told you. A disciple is someone who not only does what Jesus said, but teaches other people to do what Jesus said. If you don't have somebody in your life that you're sharing with Jesus about, you're not a disciple of Jesus. Each one of us are called to make disciples, to make an impact on somebody else's life. Find somebody. Does anybody have a lost friend around here? Man, make them, begin to pray for them. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. Begin to pray for them and and begin to use the authority, your God-given authority, the authority of Jesus. Begin to bind up what the enemy's done and the lies. 2 Corinthians 4 says, the God of this world blinds people's minds lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine on them. We need to bind up those in the enemy who's who's blinding people's minds. We need to pray that the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened, that they'll come to know the hope of God's calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
pray. If you've never led somebody to the Lord, this is your year. 2020, your vision is going to get right, praise God. And you're going to begin to impact people. If you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus, this guy right here will show you how it's done. Alex is a disciple maker. I think I just ripped his vest, but... He should have been ready. It was a spiritual thing. If he'd been in the spirit, he would have stood up before I grabbed him probably, but you know, who knows. He's just got a little ways to go on that whole discipling thing. I'll, I'll work on him and, you know. Now, here's the deal, guys. Every one of us, every one of us are called to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if you don't have somebody that you're taking to coffee and inviting over to dinner that you're, you're spending your break time with, if you don't have somebody that you're believing God for, that they'll come into the kingdom, then you need to find them right now. And you need to begin to reach out. If you need help, we will help you do it. Come to me. Come to Ed. I was going to say come to Aaron, but he's in Tulsa. Don't go to him. <laughs> come to David. Come to, come to Jay. Come to Alex. Come to, come to Ashley. Come to Donna. Come and talk to us. We will help you figure out how to engage so that people can connect because that is the call of God on each one of our lives individually. And each one of us have to make a choice to rise up and begin to walk that out. This guy right here is making disciples too. This girl is amazing. So, so you know, come and, come and talk with us. We would love to help you bring people to Jesus because God loves the world. He doesn't just love the church. He wants to see people's lives change. In 2020, we're going to see a bunch of people's lives changed. We're going to double our, our, uh, our, our capacity as a church on Sunday mornings by doubling our services. We're going to double our opportunities for people to serve. We're going to double our opportunities for people to make connections in life groups. And as we double all those things, God is going to cause 2020 things to happen everywhere we go. Praise God. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful.